The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, going through a divorce is obviously a difficult time for a couple. It can be distressing for children if they're still part of the family unit. But what about the friends? What are the rules? Who gets to stay in touch? Who gets, if you'll pardon the church analogy, who gets excommunicated? Well, I'm joined in studio now by Stephanie Regan, clinical psychotherapist. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Pat? This is a very interesting idea because Hmm. it can be very simple. If the lads are all into football, the lads stay with the lads. If the women are all into something else, they stay with each other. Yeah. But then sometimes there are couples. Yes, and I think I think the, what really prompted this, funnily enough, in my own mind was um, I'm sure you saw Kevin Costner, um, his wife. She has filed for divorce recently, um, just in the last month, and I was struck by I, I looked down through the comments, you know, in the uh, on Instagram, and just by kind of just because I'm interested in what people's reactions are, and they had um, the his wife had. Um, had cited irreconcilable differences, right? And instead, on the commentary, nobody accepted any of that. Everybody wanted the truth, the juicy truth. Who was who was not um, happy with who? You know, who had let somebody down? Was there an infidelity? Was there somebody else? And I thought it really made me think, you know, here we are always needing the the sort of the bad story, the full the full story. We want to f- find fault and blame. And I think that's a big issue in divorce. And it comes it comes in, you know, when we talk about friends, which is part of part of this conversation. But I just it really made me think about how we have as many now as five and a half thousand divorces a year. Okay. Five and a half thousand. Yes, in that average yeah. sort of, you know, up or down 200. And, you know, the the change in the waiting time now of four years to two years, that changed those figures. But the reality is that's a lot of people and that's a lot of children. And I have really noticed, you know, we like to think that divorce is navigated very well and it's through the courts and everybody's, you know, um, it, it all works out in the end. Well, you know, that's just not my experience. I, I think there is, you know, what I'm hearing now is an awful lot of suffering going on through the divorce sort of journey. And I find it really almost like alarming is a, is a big word, but really even as a clinician, I'm kind of shocked at what I'm hearing. That's now, the, truth. Uh, the, the predictable thing is that one or other party is the aggrieved party. Now, we're not saying yeah. it, there's, it could be a no fault divorce. Nobody's exactly. nobody's real fault. But one party would like to stay married and the other person yes. would not. That's right. So the person who wants to stay married, what, however difficult that marriage might have been, they suffer. They're whereas, happy to stay. They're whereas the person who's home free, yippee, yes. off I go. Yes. So often the person who makes the choice, I suppose, is seen in some ways as the bad party. You know, the person who who opted out, the person who didn't stay the course or whatever. Now, I think people have become a little less judgmental. Let me say that. I I think at one level they've become less judgmental in in that we accept that people, you know, I think in general people accept it quite well. We know that whether we like it or not, there's going to be 40% of marriages, that's the average, are going to end in divorce. That's how it's working. 40%? They're the average figures in all countries. Now, Ireland, remember, we only have divorced 25 years. So... Where is it 30, coming up 30 years you now? You mean as, as this uh, divorce jurisdiction matures, yes. we're likely to hit those figures. All so almost countries, half of marriages correct. will end up in divorce. Correct. And then a lot of people are not marrying. So there's a lot of situations where people have children, they are a couple, you know, and then they break up. 
And yeah, but don't forget, in some jurisdictions, people do marry in haste, yes. uh, rather easily, yes. knowing, for example, there's uh, the option of getting a quickie divorce. How many people, just to be jocose about it, got married in Vegas yeah. <laughs> and lived to regret it the following morning? Yes, well, that's a, and that's a, that's a, it's a Hollywood kind of type of, of job. Yeah, but, but I mean, people, people yes. do that. People marry quite easily, often when they have no resources or little yeah. or no resources. They split up and it... There's no no wealth to divide. No, they just no, go no their wealth. separate and, ways. And there's nothing nothing to it, nothing difficult, nothing complex. That's fine. But where there were children, I suppose it made me really start thinking. And the issue of of friends, I suppose, is is one of them. That that you see you see people. Um, Wanting not only, you know, we know that children are weaponized often in, in divorce. And I suppose I've just be, have become very interested in the idea of a healthy divorce, because I think we have to look at that for society, for, you know, the mental health factor, which we talk about so much. There are so many people suffering so much in that kind of journey that we need to do something a little more than just saying, oh, it's OK. And, you know, OK, we'll talk about what might be done to okay. make that uh, a divorce a little more healthy. But the, the the structure of the family is complicated because yes. it's not just the man, the woman or two men, two women, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. and the children. It's also uh, friends uh, of the couple. Friends of the children. Yes. School friends. All of these complex interactions that interplay. That's right. And if people take sides, well, you can't go to Sean's house anymore because Because. of what that so-and-so did to his mother. That kind of thing. Exactly. And who suffers? The children. That's the point. It's the children who are like you may as an adult choose not to want to have a further friendship with that person. But children get cut out of all sorts of relationships because divorcing parents insist on you choosing your side. And that's that's something that I think we can work against. And I think it's something, you know, almost as a, like we're a kind of, as I say, a new society with divorce. And we need to watch what we say. We need to watch mm-hmm. what we do. And I think that people, I've seen only, in my experience, only a few very healthy divorces where people will invite both couples and where that couple in many ways help and dictate the way it's going to be. So they let people know that they're OK with such a one being here. They So they ease the path because really yeah, but, it but, needs but to come example, from For example, you, you've got two people that were bosom friends for yes. years and years and years. They, Saturday nights together kind they, of friends. They yes. split up. So you're having uh, a party and you uh, want to invite them both because they're mm-hmm. good pals. Meantime, one party has got a new partner. Yes. The other partner, the other party is still solo. Yeah. Now, what, what do you do? do? Well, I think, you know, in those situ- in a situation where, for example, the friendship is more more with one than another, that often obviously happens, you know, where you were school friends and then through marriage, you, you know, continued into a couple kind of friendship. So original friends kind of often do go back to original friends. I think that's kind of natural. But I think for yeah, the these friends you brought into the marriage, a bit like thing, the, bit the like wealth the you brought in. Um, <laughs> yes. So you keep you revert back to I those think, friends. I think there is a little of that. But I think that gets more complicated, if you like, when it comes to family and all the big occasions. So do you do you exclude the other person? And if you exclude, let's say, the father or the mother, in one case, the, the in-law, if you exclude that person from everything, for, from all the big weddings, all the big, big events, are, you know, you can also be excluding the children. Because so, so I, I feel that the right way to do things is invite both and let the parents work it out. Let them agree between them but who, you've got who to comes d- and who brings children let the uh, both parties know that you were inviting yes. the other 
I think that's the that's you know I'm just that'd be the mature are, way to do I it. I think these are formulas that we need to start thinking about because what's happening mm-hmm. is it's getting what you call fought out. People are people are learning. You know, it's all worked out in a conf- conflict way rather in a co- rather than in a cooperative kind of mm-hmm. way. I know, like I'm not naive. I know the the if you like the levels that people go to to fight out the battle of divorce. I know it's difficult, and you know, but I think as a society we honestly have to do a little bit more. I think people need these things in other countries, such as Denmark. People have to attend online courses, small. They're not they're not huge. They're 10 hour kind of courses where they are provided with a little, just a little bit of thinking. They're They're kind of forged, not forced, but kind of, well, they are mandatory, actually. But they are kind of encouraged to think about all of these issues ahead of time. You know, it's acknowledged like in the courses that, for example, you are angry, you are upset, you are disappointed. We get that, but we don't want you to act that out. This is how you don't act that out. These are the situations that are going to come up that are going to fire you forward. Now, I think that is very useful for people divorcing. And I would like to see that happen. There are a few maybe rules of thumb. Uh, For example, two people separate, may end up in the divorce courts. They end up being apart at any rate. Mm -hmm. And you would recommend do not trash the ex. Do not trash the ex. Like In other words, oh, you're better off without him. I always knew he was a bad lot. A month later, they're back together. <laughs> Correct. We all know that trick. We've all been caught on that one. And yeah, an engagement is broken. Oh, I always yeah. knew he was a, a yeah. no good so-and-so. And you've said all sorts of things about <laughs> yeah. the person, you know, to agree. And yes, so don't trash the ex. Let them have their issue with them and let that space stay good. Let that, let that space stay clean so that discussions, you don't have to take sides. You can still be friends with people without knowing all their details. Now, when there has been an infidelity at the heart, yeah. at the heart of the breakup, that's a bit difficult because there will always be a suspicion of who knew what. If it's the woman who has been unfaithful, uh, how much did she tell her gal pals? Yeah. Um, Because women allegedly speak more intimately about their lives than men do to each other. Uh, They only talk about football, basically. Yeah, Um, true football. (laughs) I know. But I think that, yes, I think women do share. I'm not sure they share so much on that. Um, But if it's a lad who's been, equally, if it's a lad who's been unfaithful, how much did the lads know about what was going on? And that is an absolute bone of contention. But I think that often what happens in the ones that that I have been aware of is really that, that, you know, if the truth comes out later, you know, the person involved just feels so, so duped. So, um, how would you say, sort of made a fool of. And that's what they're navigating. So maybe reassuring that you did or didn't know maybe is useful with friends or with that person. Reassuring if you knew around the infidelity. Um, Infidelity tends to be kept fairly secret in Ireland because it's a very small place. Yeah, but if it turns out that you didn't tell and you knew... Uh, because you didn't want to intrude in a couple's own business because no one maybe knows who knows what. Yeah. Is it better to say nothing or is it better to blow the whistle? No, I don't think it's anybody else's job to blow the whistle. I think the marriage is theirs. For me, I I would just say that if I... If you if you're in a position where you know about an infidelity, I think and and that person, you know, you're really friends then in that situation. I don't think it is up to you to blow the whistle on the marriage and tell tell the woman or the man involved. But I do think. But that, then afterwards, but then you are he left or she comes up and says, "How long did you know?" Yeah. Exactly. But but the point is, you you, are, you know, that person has compromised you 
by the very fact that you have, you know, been let know about it. I mean, you may have just, it has happened to me where I have absolutely stumbled upon a couple, literally, in a hotel room. And I thought, uh, not in a hotel room, sorry, in a <laughs> hotel <not>. bar. <laughs> I take that back. And I thought, oh my, I did not want to see that. Now, yeah. thankfully, I did not know this couple really well. You know, I didn't know, they yeah. weren't like bosom buddies. But if they were, I see where the conflict is. You wonder, should you tell, should you save that person a little bit? In this instance, it was the woman who was having the affair. And but, you know, I just realise it's not always your job. You don't have to fix that. It's up to them to work that out. But then you have to cope with the question, how long did you know? Why why didn't you tell me? You could have saved me so much heartache. And maybe you have to justify that. Maybe you do have to and just say, look, I did not feel it was it was up to me to tell you and to bring you to bring that to your door. I thought perhaps you already know. People often already know. People already know and don't necessarily want to rock the boat. Yeah. In and be the one to to open destroy that destroy everything. The because, family, the yeah. structure. Because infidelity does happen. You know, we're in a world now where things are quite different. And you know, as you know, dating is fast. The online makes makes you know infidelity terribly easy for people to do, and uh, it is definitely on the rise. And I, I think that marriages are under that kind of threat all of the time, especially unhappy marriages, not happy marriages. And we always say the only assurance you have now in terms of your marriage really is happiness. Mm. That would always be where I would come from to this kind of situation. Now, the the issue then is if, you know, the rules of engagement are not as civilised as you suggest they should yeah. be, and then someone spots um, the, you know, one of their pals with the enemy, as it were. Yeah. And then why yes. did you meet that person? Why did you go for a drink with them? Why? Yes, this, 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 there is, I think, a real sort of tendency to want to demonize one party. And, and as I say, it's not just weaponize the children, but it's also the risk of weaponizing friends. You know, that you have to take sides. You're not allowed to contend. And really, it's not civilized. You know, that is the truth of it. We're going forward in a, in a world where we're going to have more and more divorcees in our, in our, midst in our social grouping and certainly where I stand is I know working with people, working with couples, working with individuals, trying to get over divorces and separations, feeling duped, feeling disappointed, feeling angry. But the point is, this is going to happen and we need to learn to do it a lot better. Have you covered this in your podcast? <laughs> That's very nice of you to ask, Pat. Um, interestingly, I've this. I feel so strongly about this at the moment. We have we're doing lovely on our podcast, Tough Love, myself and Ray Lockman. But we are going to pivot a little bit for a few ser- a few sessions now on our podcast to divorce to that journey because we're hearing so much from people. And as I said, a little shocked by the pain and suffering. And we're going to bring in some guests to help us to help people to navigate those sort of really difficult issues. This being one. The the legal issues, the financial issues, and also just that whole journey of getting over, picking up and facing life forward because more and more of us are going to be doing it. One final question, uh, and I've often heard it said that uh, hostesses particularly are unwilling to invite newly divorced females to yes. a congregation. Is that true or not? Well, I think there, I think people are perhaps a little less that way now, but that social contagion fear that people talked, always spoke about in this context. Unfortunately, it's slightly true that if you're if your friends are divorced, you are more likely to get divorced yourself. Not obviously that's in a very average sense, but that is what the research tells us. So there is a little bit of risk factor there for people. I think they hold back. Um, personally, I've always had a very positive thing about when people are separated. I really kind of include them in. And I think that comes from the fact that I separated in my own 30s and I was 
so indebted to people who invited me for interesting dinners on a Saturday night. Didn't try and stitch but me up But newly single, were you not a... a, a potential predator no, of all the lads who were present they didn't they didn't do that in any way and they didn't always try and fix me up and I thought <laughs> what do you want on a Saturday night when you are newly separated you want good company and lots good of wine. company and lots of wine good point <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Regan clinical psychotherapist uh, thank you very much thank for you, uh, joining us The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at 9am on News Talk.